with a record six by itself, 24 wins out of 32 last test match played at this venue. And the top of that, India sit 29 for seven on the last day in a fourth inning, which is also a last session of the series. It's uh, one of the highlights because this is the record-breaking successful chase by any visiting team. Beating the previous best was 236 for seven, which was uh, uh, done by Australia. And even you look at that fourth inning chase, 236 for seven, Australia did it way back in 1951. And remember in the third test, I was like surprised. And it's no wonder why this Aussie captain and wicketkeeper team paint told Ravindra Ashwin, like, can't wait for the Gabba test. So hmm. I think he was in overconfidence to invite the Indian team in Gabba because they are so confident they never lost it. They believe that we have a tradition at Gabba. Granted, Australia must win. And this might be the case when he made that comment. But unfortunately, I will say this game turned around the other way. Don't forget, top 20 scores at Gabba. Brisbane all belongs to home team, Australia. Overall, 62 matches that have played at Gabba for more than 100 years of history. Australia have won 40 of them. Mm-hmm. 30 of those wins have came by an inning and some runs. means it's a huge victory down there. And has only managed eight losses over the years. So this is a huge win for India. Yes, amazing, unexpected results at the GABA. It was like a dream. What was your thoughts at the start of this final GABA test? It starts with this is uh, 100%, uh, I call it uh, unexpected uh, results, like a dream. We are watching some uh, action thriller here, you know. And uh, looking at this, uh, at the start of this final Gabba test, the only one guy, Indian legend, Sunil Gavaskar, predicted this series 2-1 again, mm-hmm. just like last time. But after that 36 all out in first test, second inning, many legends and cricket pundits, we call it gurus, like Michael Clark, Ricky Ponting, Mike Woe, Michael Vaughn, uh, Brad Haddon. I can keep continue this list, and most of the people write off this series as why it was 4-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't forget, when they started this last test, India was without the services of all frontline seamers. That includes Isan Sharma, uh, Mohammad Sami, to continue on Umesh Yadav. Uh, don't forget, Jaspit Bumrah was the last to go on the line with uh, Ravindra Jareja as well as Ravindra Aswin. So if you look at it, the injuries have also made a dance in Indian team where they have to come out with the makeshift of the team. I call it the second line of the team. It wasn't expected. And this is how it works. If you look at this more trouble into this game, the India used 20 players in four test series and most of them because of the injuries. And this happened first time in a cricketing history. Look into the consistent performance. There are only two players from India, Ajinkya Rane and Chetinsar Pujara. 
both played all four games. None of the other player has played all four games. Just continue on that one. I will say since which is about uh, year after India entered into the World Cricket in 1932. So during that time, whatever happened, it's basically new team in the cricket world. So in that particular, if you come out with it or sum up with it, we had a bowlers who do not have too much experience taking wicket. And that is what exactly happened here. In this test, there were less than 100 wickets between those uh, inexperienced bowlers India had compared to 1,000-plus tally from the Australian bowlers. And that's a huge gap in terms of it. And don't forget... There are plenty of records in this. And all I can say, this is amazing. Truly amazing what the India has done. Yes, indeed. <laughs> can you tell us about the final day drama in your, in, in your own words? Final day. I will what? say... I, I will say uh, this is the test I watched seriously because the way the India fight in the third test defending that uh, loss where they batted for 100-plus overs in the last inning to make sure that we don't lose. And as soon as the Rohit got out early in the morning, in about 8.2 hours, I was 18 for one. And then that time the Pujara walks in. And uh, from the moment I can see the Pujara has a different mindset. So despite of these Australia's fearsome record at the GABA, the Indian batsmen showed absolutely no fear. And they never looked or interested in playing for ground. Heading into the final day of the Test Series, they needed like 324 runs to win on the last day out of uh, 100 overs. Mm-hmm. And the expectation was that India will again We'll be trying to bat out all overs like they did in last uh, test and uh, keep continue keeping that uh, Gavaskar trophy with the draw. But things change. If you look at it, the 21-year-old young Subman Gill as opening batsman, you can see his attitude. He stayed back to pick the team score to 132 up to like 47 overs. So if you look at it, he batted 39 overs with the Pujara, and he himself scored uh, 91 of uh, 146 uh, balls with about eight fours and two sixes. And that's equally impressive knock from this young man who made 91 at the top order, and I think that built a foundation. And then the Jikya Rane, the captain himself, came out he did the, his job, I will say, with 24 out of 22. But after that, the whole thing is changed. It was 167 for three where the punt walks in. And that is the beauty of this game. To honestly, I will say, when India lost Pujara at 228 in uh, 80.2 overs, I believe Pujara gave a rock-solid support for this game's outcome. He scored 56 runs of 211 balls, but bigger than that, he stayed there five hours and 14 minutes on the wicket, taking all the punches you can think about it. 
And when he got out, I will say India was needed about 100 runs in 19.4 overs. And the punt at that point was about 35 runs. So punt and rest of the people has to come out these not just runs, but it's a quick run. And if you look from there, they started building up the good thing. I think the game turned into the T20. And that is what the next man, Agrawal, came, and he scored 9 for 15. And when he got out, it was uh, 265 for 5 in 86 overs. But that left the formula to 63 more runs needed in 13.2 overs left. And then he got another debutant. We call it the newcomer, the Washington Sundar, who is playing his uh, first uh, international game as a test. He scored those 20, 22 out of 29 with two fours and a six. And I will say, when he got out, it's only 10 needed in four overs. So it was all about how the punt can carry on and take care of the final outcome. So if you look at the other way, the punt made majority of the impact in that last 19 overs. He played 89 not out for 138 balls with nine fours and a six. And I will say, it's a kind of routine they got. Score about 97 of 118 balls, looking in the partnerships and those. And uh, keeping up to date on that one, I will say, it's equally supported by these other uh, new players he has. Because the 12 floors... 12 fours and three sixes. That's what it came out in that uh, last hundred run needed, and no doubt, don't forget that a huge contribution from the captain team Payne and wicketkeeper for Australia, who missed the stumping when the point yes. was uh, only 16. So they paid the huge price here, and at the end, if you look at the over way that ended the day. It was 329 for seven in 97 overs. Is a highlight or highest ever chase at the Gaba. Remember, yeah. previous was 236, but was not on the last day. And this yeah. one was in 1951. So with just like 19 balls remaining in official schedule, when the India scored 324, it's a huge at the Gaba. Looking at these all statistics and histories. History has uh, come out with it. Yes. <laughs> you know, Pajara reminded me of um, Brian Close against the West Indies. He's being battered. He took them um, purposely, not avoiding them, but he puts his body in front. But when India got all out for 36, their lowest score ever, many around the world blame the 2020 IPL in Dubai as players did not get rest. What's your opinion or your thoughts about the T20 impact for this series? I'm with you, like everybody else, when this performance happened, it was uh, easy to blame for all of us that uh, T20 IPL has given like uh, over stress, over workload, and maybe players are tired. They don't have the proper mindset to go with and uh, it's an old say. The people used to say, like, you play the longer game and you'll be good at shorter formats. Playing good test ticket, you can absolutely do well in a shorter format. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
But if you look at this particular game, when Pujara got out at the mark of 80.2 overs, India was needed 100 runs in 19.4 overs. That's 119 balls. So Pant was on 34 of 84 balls with a six and just two fours. From that point, if you look at the remaining runs, how they scored, they turned this game into a T20. And believe it or not, this is the 100% fit and match what the India wanted. Because these all young performers who made this test, we calling Washington, Pant, even the Thakur, Saini, and Natarajan, these are all coming from that IPL T20. And what they did, if you look at that last 100 runs, I will say, Rishabh Pan scored 55 of 54 balls with seven fours. That's a huge one to take as a senior batsman at the crease. But on the other side, don't forget the support he got. Because remaining 45 runs also came in just 46 balls with a six and three fours. No doubt they lose a couple of wickets. But at the end... They score 100 in 100 balls with a 6 and 10 force. So overall, I will say T20 helped these cricketers to turn around this game and change into the winning situation during that last 20 goals. Yes, indeed. We're going to speed up a little here. What we all can learn from, from this series as cricketers and people who cover the games what can we all learn from this series, Victory by India? Well, we have to understand this game, amazing cricket itself. And uh, we all know that cricket is all about runs. Teams score more runs, wins at the end. Aussies try to do different things in this game, including the body attack. They try to change their uh, game style. If you remember that 36 all out, I believe that's one of the best uh, hour and a half I have seen in my life where these uh, Australian ballers bowl length and line, which is kind of unplayable. And that's how they got all those wickets. So that was the perfect plan. Get them. I would say get them out rather than mark them. But after these uh, two tight tests, uh, after they came into the third, we see the little bit difference here. Instead of get mm-hmm. them, they want to knock them. And that is what is continuing. And eventually what proved to be is uh, this uh, boxing game, I call it. It turned around the other way. Because these young fellows, inexperienced players, we call it, came out and they did some counter-punching in this series. So all I can say is... Mm-hmm. If you keep up with your talent, spirit... Yes, we're we going to leave you right over to Mason. Thank you, Jason. And on June the 10th, we'll be getting to some serious action in St. Lucia. And, of course, we want to start our preview of the West Indies-South Africa series. It promises to be a good series. The West Indies doing pretty well in recent times. And, of course, from a West Indian perspective, we're hoping that they continue. One would imagine that South Africa will be tougher opponents, but we shall see. Over the weekend, the unfortunate news about uh, Minley testing positive, but I'm told that um, he's okay in terms of isolation and, you know, getting the best of care. 
And of course, it's sometimes a, a mental thing. Let's hope that the young Jamaican uh, can come through uh, this uh, with flying colors. And uh, as Reg Ferrer reported in the sports news this evening, the team is busy at practice. Now, uh, without any further ado, we're going to go and talk to Mike Hazeman. He's got very little time with us this evening. Dr. Asker Mansing is with us as well. And we've got George Raganoff. These are very, 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 very busy men. So I'm going to cut all the talk and go and talk to Mike Hazeman first of all. Hello, Michael. How are you, my friend? Andrew, very nice to chat to you. Very nice to see you again. Good. Where are you? Where are you? What part of the world are you? You're in the White House with, with Joe Biden. I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in uh, Los Angeles, Andrew. I've been here now for some uh, 15 years. I, as you know, I was based in Miami for a while. I'm working a lot in the Caribbean, but uh, in L.A. now and, and loving the weather here and, and loving the fact that Joe Biden is in the White House. <laughs> Indeed. All right. No, talking to the Caribbean. Are you coming to the Caribbean for cricket? Of course, international cricket commentator, are you coming? It looks like I am. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about that prospect. And, uh, you know, the Caribbean's a, a place that's very dear to my heart. I've spent so much time there. I remember uh, when I was quite young, uh, still living in Australia at the time. And, in fact, no, I was holidaying back in Australia. And I was watching uh, quite a fiery series. I think McDermott was involved for Australia, catching up with that. And I was, uh, I was watching that. And we're, I'm just saying at some stage, I, I must go to the Caribbean. I must spend some time there. And I've been so lucky to, uh, to spend a lot of time there. And it's, uh, it's something I always love doing. So fingers crossed it all comes out and, uh, and I'm there for the series. So I think it's going to be a beauty. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you just got 10 minutes uh, uh, with us this evening. So unfortunately, we're going to certainly come back to you. But what are your expectations uh, for the series, though, in terms of South Africa and the West Indies? Well, there's no doubt that South Africa, uh, it's a crunch time for South Africa. I mean, South Africa have been on the slide. Brutally honest, uh, they've been very disappointing. The South African public, is, uh, as people are in the Caribbean, sporting crazy. I mean, they're very big in their rugby here as well, obviously, and it's, it's turning towards the rugby season now in South Africa. But the cricket season, is, or the cricket in the Caribbean, is going to be starting about 4 p.m. local time uh, in, in South Africa. So it's a great time for them to be watching the cricket. And they'll be expecting big things from the, from the cricket side because they haven't been good. Uh, Mark Boucher is definitely under some pressure. Um, they only won the one series last summer. And they've slipped, as you know, down to number seven. The West Indies have overtaken them and jumped a couple of spots. So they are ahead of South Africa now. So it's a crunch series, but it's a series now where South Africa have got to make sure they play well in the Test series, but also those, uh, those five T20s because they haven't won a, a, a T20 international series for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you think they can win it against the West Indies? Talk, talk to me about that. Mike. I think um, I'll be very surprised. Yes, I think they can. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with the conditions in St. Lucia. Let me just tell you one thing. I was a little surprised when Victor Ponsang, the convener selectors, came out and said that they picked a squad, and it's a squad of 19. The, the, the squads are extended these days because of COVID. A squad of 19, but he said that uh, the tracks are very slow and low in the Caribbean, so they picked a lot of spinners. Now, they picked four spinners in that squad, and they have picked six quicks, but there's only three quicks that uh, everyone can rely on in Test Match cricket, and guys that people know, and that's uh, some good ones, Nokia, Rabada, and also Ngidi. So they, I don't think they did their homework. I mean, Solution is not a slow track. No, it's, it's not, not at all, not at all. Good for pace bowling, yeah. as so, we've so seen in recent times, yes. Exactly, so it's a track that I'm looking for action from the, from the quicks at that surface. And I think South Africa, the selection panel, I think, have misread it right at the start. 
Oh dear. Oh, that's interesting. Well, stay with us. We know we just got a couple minutes yep. left. Um, uh, of course, we've got Sir Raganav, the former West Indies uh, uh, batsman with us, and of course, Dr. Ashka Mansing. Let's go to you, Sharit, um, and pick up on what Mike Hazelman was saying. What are your expectations for the series West Indies versus South Africa? Good evening to you, sir. Yes, good evening, and uh, special greetings to Mike as well, all the NLE. Uh, wish him safe travels into the West Indies. Uh, I expect that it's going to be a keenly contested series. Uh, for West Indies, uh, we've been moving in the right direction of late in test matches. Uh, we've had two pretty decent series, Bangladesh and then um, Sri Lanka here in the Caribbean. Uh, so we are expecting that uh, upward movement to continue. Um, but I think it's going to be a competitive series all the same. The T20 series is also going to be keenly contested, but I think West Indies would have the edge in the T20, um, a clearer edge, I should say, as, as against the Test match series. Mm -hmm. So, but if we had to squeeze you and, and, and uh, come off um, that wall, do you think West Indies can win the Test matches, sir? Yes, yes. Uh, based on what I've seen recently, I'm, I'm very encouraged. And uh, it also uh, is compounded by the fact that South Africa is under a lot of pressure. They have not been doing well. Mm -hmm. And um, in addition to the poor performances of some of their key players, I think as well the, the, the pressure that is on the coaching staff and management to produce results. And Mike alluded to that a little bit, uh, speaking about the pressure on Mike Boucher. I think that in itself mm -hmm. is going to contribute and is going to weigh heavily on them as well, especially playing a, away from home against a side that is uh, with some momentum in the West Indies. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you've got to go pretty soon as well, around 6.30. You gentlemen are very, very busy making money. We, we can't uh, blame you for that. Um, we can't envy you as well. And, of course, uh, we, we know we've just got uh, some precious time left with you. Dr. Mansing is going to join us pretty soon. Just before I bring in Dr. Ford, uh, my co-host, let's come back to you, Michael. When are the South Africans arriving? Can you tell us exactly when they come into the Caribbean? Yeah, I believe they're arriving. They're looking to arrive about the first or the second. That's what I've heard. They want to get there as soon as they can to mm -hmm. uh, get acclimatized the conditions. I, listen, I think quite simply the, the South Africans will get a bit of a surprise when they get from St. Lucia. When they arrive there and they see the surface, Mm -hmm. um, I hope they've done some homework since they've selected their squad because there wasn't much homework done before they selected the squad. Mm -hmm. uh, and the batsmen would like it. I mean, let's face it, the, the, the tracks in South Africa can be quick and they can be quite bouncy. Mm -hmm. So the batsmen will like it. I think Rabada will like it. I think Nokia will like it. And they are the key guys. End of story. It's Nokia, Rabada, and then I look at Dean Elgar. Dean Elgar is captain for the first time mm -hmm. in a series. He's captain one test before at Lords, but they didn't win. He said, by the way, he doesn't want to captain ever again after he lost that test match at Lords, and he was quite serious, so he's had a change of mind, and that's okay. But he's a, he's a terrific guy, and he's a nuggety guy, and he's, he's someone you want at the top of the order. He will like the surface, but watch those two quicks, Nokia and Rabada. They're the boys. You've got just a couple of minutes left. Let's go to Dr. Ford. I'm sure he may have a question for you. Doctor, good evening to you, sir. Uh, good night to everyone, uh, and good night to you, uh, Mike, and the listeners. Uh, Mike, what's been happening with the captaincy in South Africa? There's been there have been many changes, and I know since you know you would have had Smith as a steady captain and fast, but now we're seeing a lot of changes with the cock coming in for a while, and now Bavuma mm -hmm. and Elgar. Why all the changes in captaincy for the South African uh, team? Yeah, it was a little bit confusing. Uh, Graham Smith, as the director of Cricket South Africa, uh, he, he wasn't settled. And they, they wanted to try and look at some interim captains before they settled on someone. 
Now, I'm not convinced that was the right way to go. Uh, Dukakis' captain was certainly an error. Uh, it affected his own performance. Mm. Uh, if you watched him captaining in the Carib- uh, sorry in uh, Pakistan, you could see that he just wasn't interested in being a captain. Really, the way he handled it, it was a far cry from what Faf Dupasi did. I mean, Faf was a brilliant captain and a fine performer for South Africa. Uh, but there's a, a real void at the moment. Dorga, again, is a stopgap, so he's not going to be forever. They're hoping that Aidan Markram can really clinch the spot at the top of the order on the tour in the Caribbean and kick on and then really press for that captaincy job because he is a former under-19 South African captain. Mm. That's what they're hoping for, but his form hasn't quite been good enough, Doc. Mm. Uh, considering the, the performances this year, especially in, in Test cricket, where has the team been falling down? Has it been the batting or... Has it been, you know, the bowling looks pretty good on paper, but has what's the problem with the batting? Okay, so uh, the spin department in the in Pakistan was an issue for the South African batting. Uh, that really caused major concerns. The tracks there were very good. They were fairly quick and bouncy to start with, but allowed the spinners to get in the game and, uh, and play a big part. So they're undone by spin. I think there's been a lack of confidence. Um, there's uh, youngsters around the place as well that are breathing down some necks. Uh, just watch a guy called Kyle Varane. He's mm. someone, Varena, I should say. He's someone who I think is a wonderful young player, and I expect him to get a good run uh, in the trip to the Caribbean. So watch him as, as, as an example. But the captaincy's been a real mess. It has been, and they haven't picked the right persons, e.g. Quinton the Cop. Elga will do a, a very determined job. That's what they need. They need that good old-fashioned determination that South Africa's had over the years back with the lineup. I've been missing for a while, so mm. they're hoping he can bring it back. And as I said, hoping Markham gets a, a good run and a lot of runs and also wants to do the captaincy job later. Just got a final question for you. Uh, Bavuma's been... Uh, okay, go ahead. No, 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 uh, no. I, no, no, sorry, no, I, forgot, I no. forgot Bavuma, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Doc, yeah. continue. I was just looking and, and his performance, he's been in, in the team for quite a long time and now he's been elevated to captaincy, but he's never really kicked on and dominated a place. Um, how do you explain him being a captain in one of the formats now? It's interesting because he wasn't he wasn't a fixture at all in the uh, the one day lineup or the T20 lineup, but he has done well domestically uh, as a domestic captain as well. He's done well. He's played in the Test uh, side for a long time, and he has only got that 100, but he has got a very good 90 against Australia, mm-hmm. also to back that up a couple of years ago with the Wanderers. So he hasn't performed as well as he would like, but he's got a very good cricketing brain. So he's someone that uh, I think will bring the right values they want back into the lineup as well. Again, he's determined. He'll he'll run things his his way. He's a he's a very single-minded sort of individual, and he knows exactly what he wants to get out of his teammates. And I think right now, when the side's in a little bit of limbo, uh, they've got to make sure they get that right. Uh, the, 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 obviously, the relationship with the coach Mark Boucher is really important. And uh, as we alluded to, he is under enormous pressure if South Africa don't play well in the Caribbean. But mm-hmm. I think that uh, Babuma will be. Uh, I think he'll do, he'll do a very good job. I really do. And and he seems to have improved as a player since he's had that role as a captain. As a captain, it's only been a short while, but he's taken on responsibility and, uh, and performing better in my book. He's talented. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I know you've got to go, but let's do this again sometime very, very soon. Uh, it was really great seeing you again, and we hope to be able to talk to you soon uh, when you come to the Caribbean. Enjoy the rest of the. What time is it now there? Um, are you in the same time as we? Six thirty now. What time is it now? No, no. We're at 3.30, 3.30 oh, here in L.A. Okay, 3.30 in L.A. Enjoy L.A. All right. No problem at all. Thank so you. Mike, I've, I've enjoyed it too, Andrew. Thank you. Nice to talk to you guys. See you soon. Okay, good. So there you have it, Mike Hazeman, the international commentator, coming to the Caribbean, saying that the team will be arriving around the, the first or the second and giving us some insight into 
and some of the players that we should look forward to seeing. Dr. Asker Mansing is with us. We've got George Raganath as well. Let's go to Dr. Mansing. Hello, Dr. Singh. Uh, how are you? Nice to see you. Good evening. Very good time. Yes, nice to see you after a while. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, um, let's change focus. Stay with us, Serge. We're going to come back to you because I know with interest that veteran commentator Red Spurrier has been putting some warm lashes in Shannon Gabriel and, and reckons that maybe the time has come that we should move on. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute and maybe the possible construct of the West Indies team they are going to be playing two test matches. But let's go to you, Dr. Um, Mansing. Unfortunate situation of the weekend in relation to Mindy uh, from Jamaica. What's the latest on him? Well, as far as um, he's concerned, all is well. He's been asymptomatic and is likely to remain so. So we're not too worried about that. The point is, as you heard sort of ad nauseum, that we do have bubbles and we have protocols. And the idea in this is that if people do end up with a positive test, that it's not spread across the, the whole squad. As you recognize, the COVID virus takes about seven days to manifest itself. So you could actually catch the, the, the disease have a test done three days before, have a test done uh, you know, on arrival, and you'll be negative. And then presto, you know, the, the, the last test, which is over a period of time, comes back positive. And the reason they're timed in such a way is to catch that eventuality. And well, it's probably the second time that we've done so. Mm -hmm. Just before Dr. Ford comes in, I'm sure he's got some questions for you. George Raganath has just got a couple of minutes left. Shuraj, um, as I was saying, Shannon Gabriel, is he going to be an important cog in the West Indies wheel? In your view, Respiray doesn't seem to think so. Yes. Well, I, I respect the great Red <clears throat> Red Pereira <laughs> at all times. But um, I think Shannon is important for us. We are playing in St. Lucia, arguably the fastest track in the Caribbean now. And um, I think his pace is important. I, I think he would have had enough opportunities to rest and, and maybe get over whatever little niggles he may have had. So um, <clears throat> I expect to see Shannon spearheading the attack um, for that matter. And... Uh, you know, Jason Holder continues to do well, and uh, Roach, you know, continues to, to transform himself um, mm -hmm. as, as he has gotten more experience and more mature uh, in the craft. So those uh, three I expect to be very much at the forefront leading the attack. And um, Craig Raffitt himself, you know, has uh, a renewed confidence in his personal game one and the fact that, uh, you know, he has the support now of the team gelling around him as captain. I expect to see some positives there, and um, really, I'm, I'm very hopeful that the team is going to be very competitive and win this series as well. I, I know with interest that you talked about Craig Braffitt, but you didn't talk about an opener for, with Craig. Who's going to open the batting? Is it going yeah, to be Campbell gonna, from Jamaica, or you might you have to come to retirement? Well, well, based on what I've been seeing, uh, I think um, and kudos to the selectors as well. You know, they've tended to stick with players, and, uh, and, and they may very well continue with Campbell, um, you know, because uh, uh, there hasn't been much cricket being played, so it's difficult for them to just, you know, uh, introduce someone, if, especially if that someone is not doing particularly well. Um, and it's just two test matches, so it's difficult, really, added, um, you, you know, difficulty with, um, with, with making a change uh, for a two-test match series as well. So I don't think they, they, they may have too many options, but they'll possibly continue with Campbell, at least for these next two test matches. Mm -hmm. And and who will bat at three and four? Um, of course, Bonner and, and Kyle Mears. The team picks itself then, you think? Well, they, they have now cemented their, pla they right. have cemented their places. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the next place, you know, I think it's, I, I would, um, I mean, 
Shamar Brooks is someone I I set store by. I think he has done well. Uh, I, mm. I think he's maybe a little bit unfortunate not to have played in the last series as well. Um, you know, but he will come into the mix. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a little bit of a touch and go, but uh, I think we're beginning to see a little bit of a settle West Indies team mm-hmm. in, in itself, you know, with um, the Silver doing reasonably well in, in that middle order, lower mm-hmm. middle order as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, a, a good measure of um, stability I see developing in the West Indies team, which is good. Mm-hmm. And that in itself will, you know, give a lot of confidence to, to the players and, and, um, and overwhelm for the team going forward into this. Just before you go, because I know you've got um, something else to do, this controversy um, about the contracts, with Hetmer not getting the contract, Brooks, you spoke about him. You know, this is all unfortunate, you think? I think it's rather unfortunate. Um, but, you know, there might be things happening that we are not aware of, of um, mm-hmm. between the West Indies Cricket Board and Hetmeyer. What I would like to see, however, is that um, Hetmeyer should not just be left to himself. I think, um, and I'm assuming that this hasn't happened, and if it hasn't, then it should take place that there needs to be a serious discussion between the West Indies Cricket um, authorities and, and Shimroy Hetmeyer. He's such a wonderful talent, and it will be a shame to see him just, you know, waste away. And I think that the West Indies Cricket Board and themselves have not um, set clear policies, if you ask me. I think the guidelines in terms of fitness and so on has been very blurred, right? because I find it very difficult to understand that um, one can say that Chris Gale is fit and and Cornwall is fit, and Shamroy hit my and Strike and Chase is not fit. Mm. All right? So the, uh, uh, either you're fit, and uh, if there's a standard and you don't meet the standard, it doesn't matter who you are, you should not be selected. And uh, if it is that is your criteria, then you've got to stick with your criteria. And I think mixed signals have been sent to Hitmeyer. And uh, I think it's important for the young man that there, there has to be some clarity and some definition in his mind as to what he's expected to do to get selected. And else, else we, we, we risk losing him. To, you know, all the different T20 leagues that he could possibly get himself into, and, and pretty soon, you know, um, I just forget about West Indies cricket. Were you surprised that Roston Chase didn't get a contract? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised because I think Roston has done, you know, not I, I wouldn't say he hasn't lit the world afire, but mm-hmm. um, you know, he has he has done reasonably well. But um, you know, I guess the emergence of uh, Bonner and, and and Myers has really thrown a spoke into the wheel. Right, you know, right. And um, that in itself meant that, you know, you have to be moving on. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, well, Suraj, thank you very much indeed. I, for. Yeah, you're making another point? You're welcome. All right, oh, okay. All but, okay, oh, okay. Right, right. Suraj Raghunath, having to leave us. Mike Hazelman, just about when we get into the meeting, the discussion, but these men are very, very busy. And of course, uh, we are on Mason and Guest. We're going to take a, a commercial break. We're going to certainly have a Interesting discussion with Dr. Askin Mansing. Roland Holder has joined us as well, and Phil Wallace. So we got a, a big panel, a top panel of big guns to talk to you on Mason and Guest. Let's pause for a business call. Yes, we are waiting to rejoin Mason and Guest, and you're listening to the cricket show. We just want to take time out to invite you to be with us. On Sundays from 6 until 9 p.m., we have a Three hours pack of cricket talk, as well as birthday hours and anniversary celebrations. We do have a, a bunch of panelists, and some six or seven of them, and you'll be delighted to hear their views. Uh, we take an every matter pertaining to cricket, cricket. Just want to thank all those who have listened to us, and we just pray that you just continue to be with us. 
to join me, Slim Guest, and T.T. who, of course, is the commercial manager of Cricket West Indies at the top of the hour. Now, um, Dr. Mansing, how, how regularly are these guys tested? How regularly are they tested? Um, coming into a camp, they're going to get tested a week before they, they actually leave their, their um, residences. Mm-hmm. They get tested three days before they leave. Mm-hmm. Once those are negative, you arrive at your destination, you get tested on the day of arrival. You stay in room, isolated, until day three when you get tested again. Uh, after that, if it's negative, you're allowed some amount of limited activity, but at day seven is the final test. And if that's, all of those are negative, then, then you get tested as needed. Mm, I see. So someone like a Mindy who tested positive, um, he would have had, I suppose, another test since the... Um the test that came back uh, well, positive? Well, once you're positive, then you're effectively isolated, right? You're, okay. you're, you're taken out of, 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 um, of, of the squad, so to speak. You're, right. you're kept in isolation. Mm-hmm. And once you're asymptomatic, then you just basically have to serve all the time. Um, generally speaking, so it, it said that it takes about two weeks, some people are shortening that a bit, uh, for somebody to recover from this thing. In fact, in many countries, they don't test again. So once you have a, a, you're positive two weeks later, off you go. Uh, clearly, we don't do that. We will, we will be testing later on. But you have to remember one thing. Mm-hmm. The reason that many people have stopped testing after somebody becomes positive for COVID is that test can remain positive for weeks and weeks and weeks. When you actually okay. don't, you're not infected. Mm. You just have particles of the virus left in your system, which just comes out positive. So you've got to take any subsequent positive test um, in that context. But as far as, as Mindy or anybody else who tests positive, there are protocols that kick into place. Firstly, are they symptomatic or asymptomatic? If they're asymptomatic, you stay isolated. If you're symptomatic, we're going to follow you. If you need hospitalization, you're then transferred to the, to the relevant um, place. Just before Dr. Ford comes in, this is a mental thing, I would imagine. I mean, the wait for it, and of course, uh, once you test positive, I mean, w- what kind of support would, would you give to someone like a Mindy? There tends to be a lot of support, starting with psychological or psychologists who are, who are in play. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of um, interaction with teammates, with, with, with um, the managers and, and coaches. So the point is, all of this is virtual, as you can imagine. Right. Um, the person is in isolation, a lot more attention. And, and there's what you'd have to say, you know, the, the sport would kick in in a different way because coaches are not going to be focusing on the, on the squad they do have. And so you've got to make sure that there's somebody who's reaching out and making sure they're okay. And, and there's enough support staff out there to, to do that. And the important thing is for them to realize that, you know, just because you've tested positive doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily get ill. Mm. Um, one thing I will point out is that things will change as more and more people become vaccinated. And you're going to hear of change in protocols. You're going to hear a change in, in all sorts of approaches. But for now, this is how it is. Just before Dr. Ford comes in, talking about these vaccinations, um, in terms of percentage of the, the team, you've got a big squad down there. Everybody I get, uh, would have gotten their vaccine by now. Um, I don't think everybody will be fully vaccinated simply because, mm-hmm. depending on which, which vaccine you get, there's a certain time before the second shot. Okay. So initially when vaccines came out, we've said that, you know, you get it now and two weeks later you get your second shot. It's now being shown that, that you know, and depending on the sort of vaccine, you may want to wait a bit longer. Certainly with the AstraZeneca, which is the predominant one in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, the recommended time is actually three months. Three months, okay. Um, they are giving it at eight weeks. Uh, both India and Canada have moved it to four months now. But mm. that's more because of availability and, and, and widespread. But three months is the ideal time in terms of getting efficacy. That's with AstraZeneca. The others, Moderna, Pfizer, etc., with some people have had different um, spacing. 
So just by virtue of that, most would not have gotten their second shot yet, but most have gotten their first shot. M when you say most, about what? 80% of the squad? You have an, an idea? I think it's probably a week more than that. Okay, so, so I'm all... There will be some who access it, and there will be some who do not wish to take it. Mm -hmm. So you've had people in the squad who, who have said to you, no, I don't want to be vaccinated. Is that what you're saying? There are people who said yes, that they do not wish to take it at this time. Oh, okay, interesting. So there's a story. Um, Dr. Ford? Oh, good night. Good night, Dr. Manstein. Uh, okay. Outline the testing protocols for the rest of the team after minimally tested positive. Remember, they're going to be they're in isolation for day three. And after day three, you, you start training in small squads of, of three or four people. And the whole rationale behind that is that we know that day seven is when everybody is safe, this is after arrival. But in international cricket, modern day time spans and fun, you cannot wait the entire seven days to start some sort of activity. So you start with small squads, typically made up of people of not similar skills. Mm -hmm. You'd have a, a fast bowler with a spin bowler, with a batsman, with a coach um, as one squad who would do activities together. So that if worse come to worse and somebody you know tests positive, at least the whole squad won't get tested. Uh, it won't spread to the whole squad. The, the contact will be with that, those four people. But having tested positive, everybody's going to redo a test at day at day seven. Mm -hmm. And if there's any close contact between him and anybody else, then clearly we'll follow that through with further testing. So as I said, it's done as needed, and sometimes as as needed means the entire team. Sometimes it means people who've been in close, close contact have been tested. So you're going to if somebody tests positive day three. Everybody will be tested the next day. Everybody will be tested on day seven. And if need be, we'll have another test on day 10. Okay. So initially the squad was together uh, when just before getting the positive result for, for that individual player. Is that correct? They're together in the extent that uh, they would have flown together with proper mask procedures, proper um, you know, sanitization and, and, and distancing. And at no point would they have been congregated in, in, in close proximity without, without those parameters, without a, a, a mask and without proper sanitization. But they had, started, they had started some training before the positive test occurred. And, and as I pointed out, you start some training in small clusters and mm -hmm. with maintaining certain amount of, of distance. You're not going to be doing the sort of close contact training that you'd get after the test. Okay, so are the clusters post the positive test related to the original clusters, or is it random, or, you know, how do you determine the clusters post the positive test? Yeah, I think, so when you arrive, you're not in clusters, you're in isolation. After day three, when you've had your test done, mm. you then form these small clusters, which, as I said, are, are of people of different skills. And the whole concept behind that is that if somebody in that cluster tests positive, then you have two other people who are going to be taken out and, and checked in isolation. My understanding with Mindy is that he was actually tested during the isolation period, which means that he would not have come in close contact with anybody else. Okay. Nonetheless, you will do some testing of everybody just to be absolutely sure. Okay. So that the critical thing is that they still maintain mask wearing, they still maintain social distancing, even when they're, when they're, when they're training. It is not with close contact. You will have distance maintained. Please remember also that holding a ball, for example, is not conclusively. That if you hold a ball which is smeared with, with virus and mm -hmm. you roll it along the ground, it is not a risk to the person who collects the ball. 
So yeah. even when a boarder is boarding to a batsman, that's not any longer considered a close contact rule. Okay, so the important thing is that when Min Lee tested, got his positive test, he had not yet interacted in small groups with anyone else in the squad. And certainly, yeah, that's true. And, and even if there is any interaction thereafter, it's with masks and distancing. Dr. Fong, you don't seem too convinced uh, about that, though, based on your line of questioning. No, I was, was just trying to uh, figure out when Min Lee got the test and if the group mm. post-positive were the same group after and, and if, uh, who he could, if the groups are made based on contact tracing or, or not. But if it is that Min Lee was tested, tested positive while he was in isolation and had not interacted with anyone except when he came on the strip, then, then I agree that the groups uh, have, there, there's no specificity required with the composition of the group. Um, but as you said, everyone will be tested on day seven post-Lee's positive test. But you're not doing a test uh, before that. For the for the whole group, are you doing one on day three after Minley's test? Everybody would have been tested on day three. Day three, as okay. an entire squad. Mm -hmm. And if there's anybody who has any close contact, suspected close contact, they'll be tested before day seven. But then at day seven, everybody's tested again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how will the tourists be be vetted when they come to the Caribbean? Oh, sorry? Who, who the tourists be vetted when they come to the Caribbean. The tourists follow a similar sort of, you're talking about the touring team, right? Yes. As opposed to tourists. Um, so the touring team will be coming under similar sort of, of testing protocol. So they would do what's called two weeks of limited contact. Most countries, two weeks before a tour, will have their players doing very minimal contact with people. Mm. And I'm talking about family members and so on. In the last week, they're asked to have minimal, minimal contact with anybody outside of their immediate family. But day seven, minus seven, which is seven days before you leave, you're tested. Three days before you leave, you're tested. Once those are negative, you then fly. As you arrive, you go into isolation in a room and you're tested on arrival. And you remain there till day three when you're tested again. And only then do you come out into these small clusters and then go into, into full screening after day seven test. So you have testing from minus seven to plus seven. Um, you'd have a total of five tests. Mm -hmm. What about the peripheral uh, contact, uh, people who transport the team? Um, so all, of that, all of those people are tested. So it depends once again on where you are, uh, what the situation is. There are countries where they will be kept within the bubble. There are other countries where they'll be tested regularly, but mm -hmm. they wear PPE while they're traveling. Um, and, and will not come into close contact. But everybody who's in proximity. I know. I know with some, like the cruise industry, they try to let their individuals only interact with people peripherally who are vaccinated. Is that something that Cricket West Indies is trying to do, or is it that you're just testing the individuals in, the, in that peripheral bubble with the team? I, I tell you, we're in a state of flux right now, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go a bit broader and say it's not just Cricket West Indies, ICC ourselves. We're having massive discussions right now about what do we do in this post-vaccination era. With, mm -hmm. in terms of what you're saying, which is, you know, who's allowed, who's not allowed. Two or three things. <clears throat> the idea is to have everybody vaccinated. We recognize everybody's not going to be able to be vaccinated for various reasons. Some people will not simply want to be vaccinated. In some countries, you may not have the vaccine. And I'm talking about globally as well as in the Caribbean. So you have to have contingencies for all. 
for now, I think we're still committed to testing and having some sort of a biosecure bubble. But what we're, and, and in that scenario, Doc, you will recognize that those who are in proximity of players will be tested repeatedly, and those who can be vaccinated will be vaccinated. Um, but a day will come in the not too near future where I think the majority of people will be vaccinated. And then you're going to have to have different protocols for those who are not in terms of how you're integrating into this group. You would have seen, for example, that even in the Caribbean, we have countries like your own, where if you're vaccinated, you just have to stay in for 24 hours, literally till you get your test. We have other countries where even if you're vaccinated, you still have to quarantine for two weeks. And we have those in between, so like um, St. Kitts, for example, where it's nine days if you've been vaccinated. So whatever we do has to be done in tandem with whatever the national laws are in that particular country. But I think we're moving towards mass, you know, hoping that most people are vaccinated and that you know, places would relax their restrictions on those who are. Okay. Well, even though we don't have the COVID tsunami that India has, based on the complexity of the Indian protocols for the IPL, uh, how confident are you about the protocols that we have in place for our our series uh, for this this summer? Well, you'd be happy to know it's not our first bubble. In fact, we've been very successful with at least six or seven now. Um, in, and, and in them, have picked up those who've been positive and dealt with them such that they weren't a threat to either, either series. Uh, if you look at the ITL scenario, I think they held their bubble pretty well initially. But two, things, two or three things happened. Number one, they started traveling. Um, traveling quite a bit. So they went right. from mm -hmm. city to city. And mm -hmm. it's no, there's no doubt that that's where the outbreak, take, outbreak took place. Number two, I think you know, the unfortunate thing about the Indian scenario is that they had a variant which was terribly contagious. And so at the time when their country was going through a lull and thinking that they, they've gotten over this disease to some extent. And, and let's remember their vaccination program had started. Uh, and even though they'd only vaccinated 2% of their population, that was more than the entire Western Europe population put together. So they had people being vaccinated. Bam comes this, as you say, tsunami of a variant, which is just very hard to contain. And, and then instead now, let's, let's look at some parallels. In the CPL in Trinidad last year, the idea was that we'd quarantine for two weeks. And because Trinidad had no cases, we would then be free to roam in Trinidad. Within that two weeks, Trinidad had its second wave, cases went up, and what we did, we restricted movement. We extended our bubble for six weeks, we did not allow people to make. In the IPL, when that tsunami came, one could argue that perhaps we should have relooked at traveling between city to city. But whatever their rationale was, I think that's where their bubble broke down. You'll notice that in our own scenario in the Caribbean, we have minimal travel, and that travel is by chartered plane from point A to point B, and certainly not to point C, depending on whichever, whichever tour it is. Um, we're going into countries where some countries have reported no COVID cases for, for weeks now. So we're going into COVID, low-risk low COVID areas, as opposed to the ITL scenario. So all of that taken into place, we're very confident that our protocols have worked up to now. But we're also very cognizant that a day will come when you know, somebody, in spite of all of it, may come out positive. These bubbles are not 100% guaranteed. They're minimizing the risk. But they're not always 100% of a guarantee. Okay, now we got Roland Holder with us, fellow Wallace as well. Roland, how has this affected, first of all, good evening to you, um, the preparations we, we heard on the weekend that Mindy tested positive. How has this affected your plans, Roland? 
Hi, good night, Andrew. Good night, listeners. Good night, Doc by two. Um, up and on to one in particular, as he is, he is very aware of that special convivial relationship, Andrew. Don't be jealous. No. Um, generally, <clears throat> so as you would have heard, the, the training session was canceled once the, the positive test was, was discovered. Mm-hmm. So it would simply have been for the coach, the head coach who was there and his coaching staff, to redesign uh, the program around the, the new training schedule, which they would come up with, because it is basically a camp and they have full control of everything during the camp period. So they would have resumed the training and to date, everything has continued to go well. Um, there's no, well, you can't make up the time that you, that you have lost, but you certainly can put training programs in place to help mitigate any, any losses you've incurred. Mm-hmm. So, so explain what happens. I mean, now that, uh, you know, Millie tested positive um, in terms of the construct of the, the training sessions, small groups. You heard Dr. Mansing, who is part of our medical advisory committee. Um, he indicated all that. He has been working with uh, Dr. Goldstone and our CMO and all the other members of the medical panel to devise the protocols which we follow. Mm-hmm. So the protocols are there for, and they, they would advise mm-hmm. on situations like this. So mm-hmm. it has happened. There are plans in place to address and deal with such situations, mm-hmm. which um, Dr. Mansing so, so well explained a short while. Now, no, no, in terms, Roland, of the, the practice matches, uh, there, uh, there was some talk of uh, some practice matches before the first test. Uh, are they still on? Yes, there are two practice matches, a three-day game and a four-day game. The three-day game comes first. Mm-hmm. So they would still be gearing up towards that. It, there's one thing to practice, uh, to have net sessions, etc. Mm-hmm. But a match scenario presents a completely different avenue for mm-hmm. preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, the batsman gets the same time in the middle in a real-life situation. It slips in place, and when you edge the ball, somebody's likely to catch it. Mm-hmm. There'll be umpires in place, so decisions will be made. So you, you, in your preparation, you actually get in match preparation, match preparation mm-hmm. in the lead up to to what is the series. And I'm sure that that with a test squad not having been selected, that some there may be consideration to your form in going into to, to the test match. Mm-hmm. So, so when is this uh, first practice match scheduled for in terms of date? Um, off the top of my head, Andrew, I would just need to check the schedule to mm. confirm. Take your time, take your take your time, take your time, take your time, Roland. And I do know there are three days between the three-day game and the four-day game. Right. Um, so if we work backwards, let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that second game is due to finish on the second or the third of June. Right. So let's work back four days from there. Andrew, your math might be better than mm-hmm. mine. Um, we work back from there, and then three days in between the games. Mm-hmm. I gather that first game is probably scheduled to start probably on Friday. Or okay, so the first, yeah, right, right. Starts on Friday, three days, and then, of course, the four-day game, and you um, look towards the whole question of uh, that test match. And just to confirm, the South Africans... Well, Mike Hazel was saying they could be coming between the first and the second. Can you confirm this, Roland? Exactly when do they arrive in the Caribbean? 
first of June. So the South Africans are in the Caribbean on the first of June. Philo Alfonso Wallace is with us. Philo, nice to see you. Where are you, Philo? Are you in Barbados? Did you sneak in again? Hi, Andrew. Good evening. Did you <laughs> sneak evening. into the your country again? Saying, Roland. Uh, your, your, your wide <laughs> audience. I also have to say to, to people that uh, the sponsors. Yes. Well. And then a friend of yours by the name of Allison, her birthday today. Oh, yes. Mine is tomorrow. Mine is tomorrow. Mine is tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Good to see you in advance. Yes. And also yes. my good friend, Sherlyn. Yes. I'm in London, Andrew. London. I'm, I'm, I'm between London and Barbados. You're between London and Barbados. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, have some, I have some responsibilities in London, so mm. I can't shy away from them. How's the weather? How's the weather, fellow? How's the weather? <laughs> Andrew, I've been here for three weeks. I have quarantined for 10 days. Oh, dear. And I've had rain for 21 days. Gee, oh, it's my. It's rain, Andrew. Rain. I went down to the Kia Oval on Thursday to see Kimar Roach. Right. Of the final game for Surrey. Sorry, yes. Against Middlesex. And, Andrew, I, I commend these guys to play cricket. Mm. It is bitter cold. Yes. And they're running in and they're playing, they're bowling hard, they're batting, they're feeling, they're enjoying, they're enjoying the game. No, mm-hmm. Surrey was just having a trial. They have 5,000 people at the stadium. Now, it holds more than 5,000. And being a member of Surrey, I was invited to, to watch the first day's play. And it was unbelievable. It's just a bit of cold in the playing cricket. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for Roach. Uh, I thought he's done himself wonderfully well. And he's put himself in good standing for the future. Mm-hmm. I think if they're going to look for another overseas player, they'll ask him to come back. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see uh, Imar Roach, obviously, in 32 years old, I think he is, but enjoying cricket, playing well, and you know, and in conditions that obviously are not Caribbean conditions, to really hold his stand up and, and produce those performances for Surrey, I, I think that he, he, he has done himself really well. He's a good ambassador as well mm-hmm. for Barbados and for West Indies cricket. Mm-hmm. But the weather here is not all that great. It's a lot of rain, a lot of a very blistery. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very, I'm very winter clothes, and it's supposed to be summer. Oh dear, so oh dear. Cool it is. It's very, very, very cold. We're gonna certainly look. And the possible construct of the side, uh, you know, with interest when Serge Raghunath was on, he was uh, very concerned about someone to certainly open with uh, Brathwaite. And I know Red Spur recently has been talking about Shannon Gabriel. But in a minute or two, we're going to certainly look at that. Dr. Mansing, let's come back to you now. Uh, any possibility at all of, of fans? Um, is that, is that, is that that's completely through the window? I'm not too sure, um, because that obviously is the prerogative of the Ministries of Health. Okay. Um, I know that in other competitions in the Caribbean, okay, there's not a them. But Roland okay, I can know, help you out. Yeah, Roland, I think you would know the... the yeah, Roland. Yeah, um, sorry, the government of St. Lucia um, has said no fans at this time. Um, and Andrew, just a quick correction. The actual three-day game actually starts on May 26th. Mm-hmm. And the second one on May third, and the four-day game on May third. Tomorrow, that's tomorrow then. Yes, yeah. it is. Okay, tomorrow so, so my birthday, wonderful, and of course the, uh, the, the the Independence Day of Guyana. So they started on a good day. No, no doubt about that. So May twenty-sixth. So of course uh, uh, we can make a note of that. So you're saying no fans at all, Roland, uh, in relation to Saint Lucia. The same thing in in in, in Grenada. No, you haven't gotten there as yet. Uh, there is the possibility of fans, but that is still under discussion. Again, it's, it's, it's the government who, who will make that decision. Mm-hmm. So they have been looking into it, but no firm decision has been made. 
Mm. But um, we know for sure that St. Lucia is no fans. No fans in St. Lucia. Let's come back to you know, Dr. Dr. Mansing. Are you surprised that there's some people in the camp that don't want to take the vaccine? No, I don't think that the, um, the, the cricket population is any different than the rest of the population. Uh, it's a personal choice. There are personal risks that you take. Um, there are personal you know, convictions that you have. So I, I'm not surprised by that. One hopes there won't be too many of them. But, um, but you know, it's, no, I wouldn't expect 100% at all. Mm. Doc Ford. Yeah, well, I, I do know that, as Dr. Mansing said, uh, there are various reasons, and for some, uh, logic or science doesn't uh, change, change their position once, once it's made. I think it's unfortunate because I, I, I have heard that there are cases where some, some of the franchises there, most of the players don't really seem to be keen on vaccination. And I, I think in a, in a world sport where you move around so much and travel, you know, the, the risk is greater than, it's like being a frontline worker. You're exposed to more uh, varying people that have come from different places with more variants than the average individual who's in, in one, one place. Um, I'd I like to ask uh, Roland a question though, which, which is, since you have the squad assembled there uh, together and the last test will finish maybe the 20, the 22nd of June or so, is it that the squad will remain for the whole series or is it that you have to be trying to get individuals home to their, their islands uh, sometime during that period? So at the end of the four-day game, the selectors will pick the test squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they do that, we will then be tasked with the responsibility of moving uh, those who are not involved to their various uh, destinations, home, home, de- home destinations. Mm. So, so the, can, we, can we compare the, the cost of keeping them together versus ferrying them early um, from a, I guess it's, it's accommodation and, and food and transportation. Do you think it's a large uh, quantum that variance between the two? Um, in any event, you're going to have to move them home at mm. some point. Uh, so <laughs> there's no additional cost in moving them home. But if, if you bear in mind that the more people you have within the bubble, the harder it is to manage. Mm-hmm. So once you, you reduce, meaning once the selectors have selected their squad, then you move people home. You have to worry about the ability to practice. So can the facility sustain 40-odd people practicing even though there's a test match going on? Um, can the bubble sustain? Because remember, once South Africa arrives, you add 30 people to the bubble, and then when the TV crew arrives, you add 50-odd people to the bubble. So the, the, the larger the bubble, the greater the risk. So if you can move someone that's not involved home, um, of course, the selectors would look at ensuring they have cover for any eventualities then it is usually much safer and better for us to do so. Mm. What about a player, not, not saying that such a player exists, but what about if there's a player that can possibly be in this squad and be in a one-day squad or, you know, in a white ball squad, um, how do you determine if a player just stays on versus going back home and, and returning and, and going through that seven-day 
free free travel tests and and that sort of thing where they may just be be you know less than a month in between the the two someone, someone like for example a Jason Holder um who is very likely to feature in both the tests and the T20s um he will say if there's another player in that setup who will be involved in the T20s that person will stay as well uh, to ensure that they continue to get the practice that is required, but there aren't a lot of those players, okay, who, who are across both formats at this point in time. Uh, Doctor Mansing, in the in the case, I mean, the medical team has a much larger purview and responsibility. Before it may have been just fitness and dealing with injuries, but now you have the the biosecure bubble and that sort of thing. But getting back to the injuries and and other things that can happen in a series, uh, your your plans for moving individuals into hospitals to get x-rays or scans or to see specialists, um, how, how have you predetermined that, that bubble for those eventually? Oh, yeah, you're right. So these are extensions that you've got to make provisions for. Um, as far as the investigations are concerned, we tend to, to do them in smaller institutions or have a dedicated time period when you get it done, where, whereby let's take an MRI scan, for example, the machine itself will be sanitized and it'll, and it'll be in isolation for when the player goes in. The transfer from the bubble to that place would be with the player in, in PPE, in, in, in proper um, protective wear, in a sanitized car with a, a driver who's either in the bubble or wearing proper PPE. They go into the facility with minimal contact. As I said, it's isolated at the time, so they know the patient's around. It's been sanitized. And when they come back into the bubble, they then dock their PPE in their rooms. So they go directly to the room, dock the PPE, bathe, put all that PPE in a plastic bag and dispose of it um, as, as instructed. This is done whether they go to a, a MRI facility, whether they go to a specialist, or in some cases, even if they have to go to an embassy for a visa, as we've had in the past. Um, also, if they have to go to a hospital, we have designated hospitals with isolated areas where they would have to be kept. But the reality is that if they get hospitalized in most countries, they probably would then have to go through a, a, a larger reintegration process than those who just go for an MRI and something. So there are protocols set for how much exposure you've had and how you get reintegrated to the bubble. That can consist of just wearing PPE and coming straight into the bubble, two, spending three days in isolation, two, spending seven days in isolation. Mm -hmm. I'd just like to go back to something Serge uh, Raghunath mentioned, which was, was fitness and he contrasted the the body types of of some individuals which were different and who intrinsically and empirically we we think to be of different fitness levels and it takes me back to a discussion we had earlier where you had said that based on where someone was in their fitness that the their fitness level was used to determine their future fitness but is that is that basically a, a good summary of what what you had said earlier? I think that's yeah, that's reasonable. In other words, everybody doesn't have the same class mass, so to speak. Okay. But one thing that so, the certain one wants is for you to sit below what you've done before. Yeah, but but you know, my my question is, is this something that is done generally in in franchises and in other cricketing nations that people have different pass marks for? fitness or is it that there is a certain minimal pass mark that's needed for every individual as a professional and then once you're above that mark 
then you can deal with the variant path mark. So, so summarize my question. Yeah. Does everyone whose name fits pass the minimum pass mark that would be required to be a professional in, in our region? There are there are different standards for different um, or different ways criteria for different um, cricketing countries. Uh, in in our scenario right now, it is it, there is a minimum pass mark that's recommended, but there are special considerations given to people who either may be coming off of an injury, there may be people who just will never achieve that because they just simply can't, um, but mm. are otherwise capable to, to perform on the field. And then what we do is slowly try to work towards that minimum standard. So to answer your absolute question, is there a minimum pass mark below which you will not be considered at all? The answer is no. That was in the past. What they're saying now is that they'll take individual circumstances depending on what it is. Is there any room for people sitting below what their, their basic minimum was? That too is no. Is our system ideal and perfect? That also is no. And there will always be tweaking done. There will always be more um, parameters that are brought in. And, and that's work in progress. And you're going to see changes from time to time. But what it is right now, what I can tell you, everybody's aware of, everybody's, everybody's bought into, and is being practiced in other teams. If you look across the, the cricketing globe, you'll see a lot of people have lost their contracts this year because of reasons of fitness. Yeah, but that's true. But I, I, I am not um, aware that the the variation in in the starting point for individuals mm -hmm. is as variable as as ours is. And do you envisage, or do you do you think, or can you imagine that for someone who empirically and intrinsically at a higher fitness level than another individual could feel hard done? being deemed unfit when he is superior in fitness to an, another individual who is fit. And this is not someone who, who, who may have an injury. This is someone who you think may never be able to make the level that the other guy made. Well, certainly fitness is one parameter I think that selectors would take into consideration. That is your cricketing skills. And, you know, if somebody is supremely fit but not performing at the cricketing level that another person is performing, I don't think they, they should feel hard done. Um, and I'm just talking in general. We're not talking about anybody in specific right now. But the part, bottom line is this, that the predominant factor, obviously, is cricketing skills and your, your fitness progress. And let's not say fitness level, your fitness progress from year to year. If somebody is not performing in fitness, chances are they're, they're going to have issues with their performance on the field as well. And you, we've seen that this year where some people have lost their, their contracts based off of cricketing reasons, and some people have had issues because of fitness. But the bottom line is that, um, Andrew, I would agree with you that we a, a bare minimum would be absolutely ideal. But till the, and, and you're comparing us to other countries, till the culture is instilled from an under 15 or under 12 level as to what fitness requires, what you need to do, when we see consistency amongst our franchises, that we're, we're assured that when somebody comes to the highest level, fitness is not a consideration. You know, when somebody applies for a job in a university, you don't ask them if they know their ABCs. But if they cannot read and write, you then have to start making, um, you know, taking that into consideration when you're looking at people hiring. It's a discussion we have around the Caribbean in all professions. Should we take people who cannot speak English properly in certain jobs? Well, let's take that to cricket and fitness. We have to meet them at some point, lift them up. But yes, the ideal scenario is when every under 15 cricketer in the Caribbean would have the same protocol, would pass the same protocol, and would work towards the fitness standards. And there are other countries that do practice that. 
and that's perhaps why they can have a different um, standard that they use. I know Philo may be burning with a question, but I, I just want to go back to this. I'm not trying to, to be difficult or repetitive, but just going back to the fact that uh, a chairman, let's say a, a chief selector can say, or a, a, a CWI release can say someone wasn't considered because their, their fitness wasn't sufficient. And they can be characterized as an unfit player. Yet, for someone else who doesn't have an injury but never was as fit as them, that person doesn't, isn't characterized in the same way. The, the inequity and the connotations of the, of the label uh, make it something that seems untenable for me in a, in a professional sport. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if uh, Weeper or anyone else uh, you know, the, the agents of cricketers or anyone else has, has mentioned that, but it just seems like a, a bitter pill to swallow to me. I understand, you know, connotations are things that you may not be able to control. I think one thing is transparency and education. Whenever fitness policies are, are discussed, obviously they're discussed first with the players' representatives and all those concerned internally. But then great effort is made to try and educate everybody outside to us of what the protocols are. And, and, and that's what we had our discussion on the last time we would spoken about this. Um, as I said, things will constantly be tweaked. And once again, it's important that everybody knows what the tweaks are so that they are up to date. But, um, you know, it's, 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 I, and I understand exactly what you're saying, Doc, that the perception may be something, but the reality is that if you're at a certain fitness level, just keep it in mind, keep that fitness level or keep improving it, and you wouldn't run into this trouble. The issue is that when you're not able to repeat what you repeated last year, and that's both with fitness and with cricket form. Okay, Philo, I know you want to ask questions. <laughs> I can thank you, <laughs> Dr. Ford. Uh, Dr. Manson, I'm obviously going to question the vaccination. Mm. And why is it that Cricket West Indies are not, or, or should be, or are they trying to sensitize these players to the importance of being vaccinated? And the ease in which it will do, it will, it will, it will ease some of Cricket West Indies' fears in relation to the bubbles and also the players. So a lot of these players jolly around the world. So how is it important for for you as 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 the lead in the, in the medical um, medical sphere, along with Doctor Oba, to try and get these guys to understand how important it is to, to be vaccinated? I think you know our chief medical officer, Doctor Dollar, and and Doctor Oba both have have spent a lot of time with one-on-one -on -one with players. And I agree with you, Philo, the ease, the, 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 what some people might consider the obvious logic, et cetera, is being preached. Now listen, we live in, in free society and mm. we have to respect the, the decisions of people, right? But there are leagues in the world that are gonna stand up and say, if you're not vaccinated, we're not gonna take you. Mm -hmm. right. And that is when personal decisions will have to be made. I think we still err on the side of, of, of freedom of, of, of choice, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and therefore we're willing to entertain this discussion. But there are leagues that are gonna pop up which will not entertain the discussion. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we, we allow people not to opt out of bubbles that we knew were safe. It was interesting that many of the people who opted, made the choice at that time, made a completely different choice when they went to India, which was the you know, second most infected country in the world. So try to, you know, there will be people who make decisions and there'll be people who change their own decisions and that might be prompted by external forces or internal forces. Our job is to educate, but give you the right to be yourself. Thank you. Well, there's been a lot uh, of discussion. Roland, is there anything?
Ron, is there anything you wanted to tell us that you didn't get to, to divulge so far uh, this evening? Stop. If there was something that I didn't divulge, it's because it, I didn't intend to divulge it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, uh, you, you can tell us Andrew's age if you wish. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Andrew wants that divulge. No, no, no. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But, but, but Roland, there must be a, a tremendous amount of mental stress. Though I mean, being in a bubble. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is a serious thing, isn't it? Andrew, um, what I would say is that it is perhaps even greater stress on the players. Remember, mm. um, I am, even though I may be in the bubble, I don't have to go on the field and, mm. and perform and concentrate for those extreme hours. Um, as the game progresses or as you spend more time in country, my task gets easier. The players still have to go out there and do everything. So the, the, I, I commend the players. I, I respect them, the, the effort it takes to be in the bubble. And I can understand when they get stressed out and you know want to, to, to go outside of the bubble, etc. I can understand those things because it is it is not the easiest of tasks to be in bubbles for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's been a lot of stress in Guyana. And in fact, when um, young Murray didn't get a contract, even his club, the Everest Club, um, we had several people from Burbies right through uh, to Esequibo, to Demerara, expressing a lot of dissatisfaction with the fact that Hatmar did not get a contract. And we thought it important on Mason and Guest to uh, reach out to Mr. Manson Nader, who is actually not only the speaker of the, the house in Guyana, but he's also the president of the Everest Club that uh, Hatmar um, is from. And he's well, not... Andrew, Andrew, correction. Andrew, correction. Hetmeyer is not from the Everest Cricket Club. He's from Young Warriors. Okay, he's from Young Warriors. Okay, but, but you are the president of the Everest Club. Right, okay. Yes, I am. And you have expressed a lot of disappointment. Uh, you've gone public in relation to Hetmeyer not getting a contract. Now, my question to you, why do you believe that Hetmeyer should have gotten a contract? He has merited it. The talent that he has, his performance on the, on the field hasn't been outstanding in the test matches, but for a 24-year-old, what I consider superstar, and clearly the IPL did too, you just don't give a person a $1.1 million contract who has not performed and who doesn't have that talent to be awarded that. So in solidarity, with respect to good cricketing decisions, our mm -hmm. club, which is the 70 Everest miles club. away from where at the mm -hmm. Maya home, yes, mm -hmm. home club is, mm -hmm. we wanted to speak out mm -hmm. because clearly the rationale being given by the selectors of Cricket West Indies just doesn't measure up. Could you explain that? What do you mean by that? It doesn't measure up. There you have a young 24-year-old, just a few years at the highest level, and being discarded 
and then we saw the second, the second, um, the red ball squad, the second time he missed out, and you saw all the people with averages below him mm -hmm. making that side. Clearly, it has to do with something more than his talent or his fitness mm -hmm. or his fitness. Mm -hmm. And, and we've seen this before. We've seen this before. And if people don't speak up, selectors with their own bees in their bonnets will continue to do injustice to cricketers and cricket. Mm. Let me give you an example. And I've been around a little while. Not no big professional cricketer, but I consider myself a pretty decent administrator. When Sarwan as a young person, had made a series of docs. Mm -hmm. One morning at 3 o'clock, our time, my old time uh, phone rang. And it was Sawan on the phone. Sawan and my daughter went through primary school and so. And he had just gotten bold for a duck. And I listening on the radio. And the young man said, Uncle, that I speak to Marissa. So I said, boy, what's happening to you? It's only duck, duck. That's not the Sarwan I know. And Sarwan had been playing with my father-in-law when he brought me to England since he was 12 and 13. And he said, one of the problems I have is everybody telling me how to bat. I have Dujon telling me this. I have uh, Jimmy Adams. I have the selectors, the manager. I said, well, you have to do yourself your own justice and prove them wrong with your back. Get out there and mentally prepare yourself to bat. I will never forget that incident. And Sawan went on to captain the West Indies. And he had had his problems with people. Mm. And so the inconsistencies with selectors is part of our issue. Oh, I see. And here you have a young man, 24 years old, with more than a heap of talent. You know, I saw Vivian Richards at the Queen's Park over against Richard Hadley. And I just see Richards walk down and just knocking Hadley out the park. And when I saw Hetmeyer back, and when I see him back, I see the same kind of rot. Yes, you may have to work on a little fitness and a little mentality, yes. Mm. But you don't discard him so easily. Mm -hmm. You don't. Have you communicated? And you communicated all this to, to, to Roger Harper and the Ghana Cricket Board? Your disappointment? Well, the Ghana Cricket Board actually came out before us. Right. The Ghana Cricket Board came out publicly before us as we were actually issuing, um, preparing our rooms. We saw the Cricket Board rooms. But Kimo Paul is now a member of our club. Right. We had no problem with Kimo Paul not getting a retainer or getting selected. He's coming off of an injury. And I know that I, if I go to my club at 10 o'clock in the morning, I see Kimo is working on his game. If there is any one person who we felt should not have been snubbed by Cricket West Indies selectors, mm -hmm. was Seth Meyer. Mm -hmm. Your reaction to all this, fellow? Uh, sure. At, Hello, your I reaction? I just want to ask a question. Actually. Sure. I, uh, Andrew, this is, this, uh, there are policies in Cricket West Indies. Mm. The selectors have come up with what they think is the best possible 
to answer for not uh, uh, awarding Hetmer a contract. Now, the gentleman says he's talented. Mm -hmm. He's a superstar. Mm -hmm. $1.5 million in the Premier League. That is all fantastic, sir. But West Indies cricket needs more than that from Hetmer. I know he's 24 years old. And my question to you, is anybody in his club or at your club or Ghana Cricket Board sitting down with this young man mm -hmm. to really outline what he needs to do? You just said fitness, concentration, which are small things to you, but they're big things to me. Anybody, anyone at Ghana helping this young man to sort himself out and his game? I got a message this week from a guy called Dr. Tony Alton who wanted to reach out to, to Hetmar. I sent a message to St. Lucia. Hetmar has not even responded to me yet. Mm. And this guy is going to give his time free to speak to this guy, to help him. Is anybody in Ghana reaching out to help Hetmar? Because if Hetmar is not receptive to help, He's going to keep going down the line. Are you going to keep coming on for this show saying he's talented? <laughs> yes, we all know he's talented, but he's missing the fundamental elements of being a professional cricketer. 1.5 million US dollars don't make you a professional cricketer. It makes you a half-decent rich fellow. And if you don't manage yourself, you could easily be poor. So I want to know what is Ghana doing to help this young man mm. to become what we expect him to become, mm -hmm. a great West Indies batsman. Sir, I am just not astonished. So here we have Phila Wallace saying, hey, this is really a Guyana problem. Y'all should fix this young man up. I don't know Hetmeyer is a mental case. He's being made into one. Mm. The Lord that critics West Indies have always been operating like this. Mm -hmm. And whoever goes into the chair seems to have inherited the lordship. Mm -hmm. So Cricket West Indies, the constituent members of Cricket West Indies don't speak up. Those who are put in place, they're going to continue to lord over West Indies cricket. And the constituents will have to speak up. And I have no reservations whatsoever the speaking up in terms of fairness and putting the responsibility directly back on Cricket West Indies for not lording over people. And I will say to Hetman, I've said to him over the weekend, go out there when you get the next chance and talk with your bat. Talk with your bat. And destroy all those naysayers who exist and who want to... So this is part of my issues with cricket West Indies. And whoever occupies that chair, I say, behave that way. Good here. And the constituent members of cricket mm. that comprise cricket West Indies, no selector, no president, no director of cricket West Indies, make cricket West Indies. Cricket West Indies is made up by its constituent members. And if the clubs like Young Warriors and those in Trinidad and Barbados and wherever we are, if we don't speak up, mm. people will continue to do what they want mm -hmm. with players and cricket. Right. And that's why today, mm -hmm. with all those, all those well-meaning stars and administrators, that's why we are treated like jerks internationally. Where we 
we now have to qualify to be in the big league. I'm resting these cricket teams. Something is fundamentally wrong at the top two. Oh, dear. Okay, stay with us. This is getting pretty hot on Mason and Guest. Um, let's pause for a business card. I know, Fiddle, you want to, um, to speak to our good friend there. By the way, he's a speaker in the house, so you've got to be careful, Fiddle. He may be put out of the house. And, of course, I'm sure Dr. Ford wants to engage as well. But let's pause for a business card. Mason and Yes, uh, Mason and Cassie. Interesting little discussion here. It's my being left out of the being given a contract. Those from Ghana are also voicing their views. But um, folks are having very little memory. They forgot how many people from the leeward, especially Powell, was not even given a chance. He was said he was not fit when he had already qualified, never was given an opportunity. He's now given one. I don't see anything wrong with Hetman not being given a chance, given a contract. He is he has um, some work to do. And just go back and just prove himself. That's all he has to do. There's no one need to be quarreling about it. Uh, let's get back Mason here, the rest of the conversation. Time of Barak Jagdio was a minister for about what, 10 years or so. Um, so um, he is a very experienced uh, guy, and it's good to have him on the show. Uh, where's Dr. Mansing? Is he still with us? Or is he gone? I think Dr. Mansing has actually left us. Just double checking to see if he's with us. He's, he's left us, right? Has he? Okay. So Dr. Mansing has left us. Roland Holder is with us. We're trying to find. Um, of course, our very good friend, Clive Hubert Lloyd, it's a Clive, and he will want to make a comment as well. I know he listens to the show. Now, um, let's come to you, Philo, your reaction to what Mr. Nadir said. Actually, nobody, I'm not doubting the talent of Chevron Hetmer, you know. I think that this is a young man who has a lot of ability, and I think he's the future of West Indies cricket. Mm. But it all said and done. There's something called personal responsibility. And Hetmar himself, when you look at him when he was the under-19 youth world, team, world cup captain and he won that in Bangladesh, Hetmar, to me, you know, he, he's, he's not kick on. He has not kick on for one reason or another. Yes, the, the club in Ghana has to take responsibility, sir, because they're the, they're the, they're the people who have helped, helped him and they need to continue to help him. But I'm saying that Hetmer also needs to accept the help and realize that he's going through a turbulent passage in his career and he's young enough. And if he has the right people around him, he can turn himself around and come out on top and laughing because I look at him as one of a future West Indies captain. And I'm glad to see that Anna pushes him in, in the responsibility of vice captain role under Leon Johnson, who I think is an excellent leader. And for one reason or another, he, he has not kicked on at the West Indies level. But I think that Hetman needs to have the right people around him to help him. But he has something called personal responsibility, which he also needs to take care of. If you don't manage yourself, then you cannot expect good results to come down the road. So he has a responsibility. He's in Guyana, and he's in Toulouse, sorry, and you said to him, score runs. That is all good and well, to score runs. But how does he get all of that mental thing into his mind Exclude all the all the things that are happening around him and get into his mind his main focus and his main goal as a cricketer for runs. And fitness, sir, is very important in this modern day game. 
If you look at India, Virat Kohli said he's taking no prisoners when it comes to fitness. So I don't think we should second-guess fitness, even as the, at a 24-year-old. And I heard Dr. Manson speak about fitness. Some players will be fitter than others. And that is all good as well. But we need to pay more emphasis on fitness because at the end of the day, as Roland Holder said, these biosecure bubbles are hard to live in. And mentally, it drains you. I've been in a bubble for, I've been, I've been in isolation for 10 years. I, and I had to do things to try to keep my head going. If not, you just go free. So these guys, fitness is part of it. So they need to stay fit. If they're going to come through this turbulent time in cricket, this COVID passage is a serious passage and it's going nowhere in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I would expect people like Hetmar and those guys to be the first to receive two vaccinations. Send a message to the, to the rest of the cricketers. Look, it is important to get it. All these are things that can help him in developing himself and pushing himself above the rest mm-hmm. and coming out on top again because he is the future, sir, but he needs help. And I hope the people in Ghana, all those people, the good self, all the other people, will give him the right advice. And don't worry about the selectors. The selectors have a job to do. Emmer has a job to do as well. And that is the score runs as a batsman. Okay. Um, I, I have a, a question for our, for our friend from uh, Guyana. Um, how do you perceive the comments of the West Indian captain who, in summary, suggested that Hetmeyer should articulate why he isn't given a contract and, and no? Is this something that um, is common knowledge or is it known to you what he was driving at? It is not known to me and I wouldn't put myself in the position of a mind reader to read his mind. But what I would say to the, the, the selectors of Cricket West Indies is that don't be so quick in discarding people. Don't be so quick in discarding people. If you drop from the Red Ball squad, I have Maya, and you're gone with younger, more, um, younger, talented, or potentially talented people, instead of going with 29-year-olds or 28-year-olds, or as one selector said, we have to bring Alex Spinney into the team. If you don't have an internationally um, international superstar like Spinner, you don't you don't experiment with one who who has been tried over and over again and can't live up to it. So is that inconsistency with the principles and the policies that the, are guiding these selectors that I have a problem with? And what's happened so, to the issue? Number one and number two, are you aware of how the young Hetmeyer has been affected by losing his contract? Um, he, for me, he seems pretty private. Uh, he has his own way of dealing with that, and I want to believe we are going. We are certainly, for those who are speaking from his corner, he's not going to let us know. I feel very confident that this has strengthened him. And more than confident, I feel that he's going to answer the critics. And we've seen many good players like Atmaya go through this phase and, and they will bounce back. And so you don't discard for people who have had um, a long run of it perform worse than him and then say that you have special policies, right? Look, yeah. some players and cricket, 
is now not only about talent, it's also about science. I agree, fitness. But a person scoring runs and a, and a Cornwall taking wickets, you still pick him. Nobody could tell me Cornwall is fitter than Hepmeyer, right? And I remember, I remember there was an off-spinner named Jack Nariga. Jack Nariga from Trinidad. And in one season, he swept. And Lance Gibbs was the standard bear for off-spinning in the world. And yet the West Indies played two off-spinners against England. Jack Nariga and Lance Gibbs. And yes, that was Nariga's season. He did get in one test more wickets than Gibbs. But he didn't have the longevity. He didn't have it. So, what about, go ahead. What about Bishu, Davindra Bishu, um, Emerging Player of the Year, and had a good few seasons and has disappeared from from Guyana's cricket? And I mean, what's happening with him? Is he? Is he, he hasn't disappeared. In fact, I, while I might not have been a, a big cricketer, I I knew Davindra as a little boy. Because I visit and my relatives come from the area where he plays, Albion. Mm-hmm. Bishu is actually doing a lot of training with the Albion Cricket Club right now. He's working on his game still. And it's that kind of uh, mental strength that you have to have. He hasn't disappeared from the scene. When uh, Pramal came and took more wickets than him, he didn't, I, I didn't complain. Though Bishu is very, very close to me. He calls me Uncle Manzoor. Very close to me. But Pramal was outperforming him. I know young Moti well. Young Moti plays as a guest player for our team. Many times our club, Everest, do have quite a lot of matches and Moti is one of our guest players. And we're happy to see him make the squad. So we're going to, we're going to stand up in the corner of right and fairness. That's where we're standing. Right. And it's, it's, go ahead. Well, well, we found Sir Clive Lloyd. Um, you, you, you might have played with him, you know. At, uh, <laughs> no, I admired him. I admired him. <laughs> like the first Black Panther we knew. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, 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 lovely. And of course, uh, we found him. Um, he, I don't think he's in Burbies. Sir Clive, are you in Burbies? Hello. Are, are you in Burbies? I can't hear you that well, Andrew. Okay, okay. Let's see if we can hear you better. Are you hearing me better now, Sir Clive? Hello. Hello. Are you hearing me better now, Sir Clive? Hold on a minute. Hello. Okay. Right. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Are you hearing us better now, Sir Clive? I can hear you a little better, but I'm sorry you couldn't come to come through to my other phone. I don't know why. Okay, okay, all right, no problem. Well, well, but once you can hear us, we have a, a big debate about Hetmeyer, and of course we got to Mr. Manson Adair, who is the president of the Everest Club, and he's also the Speaker of the House, so you've got to be careful with your language to Clive. What is your reaction to all of this, though, in relation to Hetmeyer? Are you surprised he didn't get a contract, Sir Clive? Anyhow, good evening to all. Um, listen, it's just simple. The guy's got ability, we know that. All he has to do is produce the runs and they should be no, no problem. Mm. I, I, you know, I mean, it, it's obvious that they're talking about his fitness. Well, you know, that that would we will find out how good he is and how bad he, how long he bats and so on. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a situation as a batsman. You put some scores up there, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obvious that um, there's a fitness situation. You look at Cornwall, you're thinking, well, you know, but Cornwall can bowl 50-odd overs. So he's got to be, he's, he's a big unit, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think they take, they're taking those things into consideration, the, your weight, your height, and so on. I presume that's how they're, they're um, assessing people. But we all know, Puran, Hetmeyer, they're talented guys. You know, they have to, that talent must come out with runs. They're both like wickets, mm-hmm. like, Ro- like um, Roach is doing at Surrey. Right. Producing the stuff. It's not anybody, I don't think, it's obvious that when you pick teams, people are always worried about why isn't X played or why isn't Y played. The point is, once you produce the goods, you get rid of that. That is why... During my time winning, I got rid of insularity. There's nobody saying, well, why isn't X picked or we're winning? Good. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to to speak about, too, is that we have moved from number nine to number six. And I want people to say, listen, congratulations, lads. Continue with things are going to be tough, but we want you to go further up. Give the guys some impetus. Give them that, that. you know, the, the encouragement to, to do well. All I can hear is, oh, we were at number six. We, we were at number nine a couple of months ago. Right. The right. last two tours, we haven't mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. So I want people to give our young players credit. Mm-hmm. They had Myers and all these guys. They've got, the world is their oyster. oyster. Mm-hmm. It's up to them to produce the goods. Then we wouldn't have this conversation. Mm-hmm, I see. Um, what advice would you have for Mr. Hettenmeyer, though? I mean, I, I believe you might have spoken to him before. There's no doubt about his talent. Um, people question his fitness. He hasn't set the world on fire. Um, if you had to see Mr. Hettenmeyer now, what would you tell him since he's lost his contract? Well, I would, I would tell him if you try and get to that fitness level that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Good. I know he's, he's earning good money, and that's great. You know, any cricketer that is earning money, I am happy with because we are always bridesmaids where the, the monetary side is concerned. Mm-hmm. So now, if you produce the goods, you will be, be be paid well. Money is a subsidiary of success. Right. I would like to say to all the young people, Mr. Hetmeyer and the rest, gentlemen, they are asking you to be fit. They want you to produce the goods because if you do well, we would have a, a war-beating team. And Art, we've had a bit of a pandemic, and we haven't been playing a lot of cricket. So we have to take that into consideration, too. But I still think, you know, no one day, I think I think he's just got a contract, hasn't he, Mr. Hetmeyer for the white ball? Am I right? No, 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 Hetmeyer, Hetmeyer, Hetmeyer is nothing to do at all. I thought he was called up for something. The, the contract, the new contract is in the Pakistan League. That's in the Pakistan League, yes. That's oh, the country, okay. but, but not with the West Indies. Mm. I think, it's, listen, they, the guy's got talent, and I'm sure it will come to fruition quite soon. He knows that people are talking about him, and they, they, they want him to do well. We all want him to do well, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's not that anybody dislikes to know that you can 
get to that level where you can, you know, produce the runs um, that you expect. Just like Sawan spoke to, to the, the Speaker of the House. Yes, spoke to the Speaker. I mean, he told him, listen, you know, you're not getting the scores. Get some big scores. And what did he do? Fine. Mm. He, 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 he didn't get dropped again or, you know, or they, I don't know if he was dropped mm-hmm. or what, but he was in the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what we have to We have to get people to speak to these young men and women, I suppose, to, you know, that um, that the name of the game, if you're a batter, it's big scores and consistent scores. Mm-hmm. The same thing with bowlers, you know. Mm-hmm. So and quite, the point is, mm-hmm. so, uh, we have some good players, very good players, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. So, so, so Clive, in the remaining minutes we've got left on the show, we've got just about 12 minutes left, we've got Roland Hall with us and, of course, Philo Wallace and your good friend, Mr. Manson Nadir, the Speaker of the House there in, um, uh, in, um, in Guyana, and, of course, the President of the Everest Club. I know that you chose Demarara over Everest, but we wouldn't forgive you for that, um, um, Sir Clive. I'm the Demerara man. <laughs> uh, perhaps you may have even chosen the George Tunkrick Club, but of course you're your DCC man. Uh, oh, but, yes. And, and, and I will die a DCC man. <laughs> we know that. We know that. No, good clubs. Good clubs. Very good clubs. Uh, Roland, Roland, any advice for Mr. Hetmeyer, talented cricketer? Uh, would, if you had to see Hetmeyer, what would you say to him? Roland? <laughs> Roland? I think Roland has left us. Oh, oh, Roland has left us. All right. Okay. All right. Now, let's turn our attention to the next, what, we got 10 minutes left in the show. Your expectations fill over the series. As, as you know, we promoted, we starting the promotion, uh, the analysis. Uh, South Africa versus the West Indies, Phil, your expectations. You think we can beat them? I think I think West Indies can beat South Africa. South Africa is a transition stage at, at, at the moment of their cricket. Coach Mark Boucher mm-hmm. has put up his hand and said, look, all responsibility falls on me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the, the rapid performances are not what South Africa uh, cricket is about. They're going through some challenges as well. And as mm-hmm. Clyde said, we've just jumped from number nine to, to number six in, in work, which is a good deal. And South Africa are below us, so we need to continue to march on. And we obviously we don't want to underestimate them. We know and through that the pitches at the Sami Stadium can be quite sporty. Right. Uh, if Mr. Crafton gets it right, we we can get some juice. So you know, they have good fast bowlers. The South Africans, our batsmen will have to be able to uh, adapt to that bowling. Uh, they're not going to come here uh, looking to be defeated. They're going to be, they're going to play. It's really really tough. And I think that we need to be on our P's and Q's. Uh, it's unfortunate that Test captain. Rafa did not have a good time here in England playing for Gloucestershire. Although Gloucestershire is leading in this zone, he has not really made the, the volume of runs mm. that was expected. So he's going back to the Caribbean. Obviously a little, a little depressed, not getting runs, but obviously the experience. Mm-hmm. And David Joseph as well. Andrew has not really lived up to the villains of a fast bowler in these conditions. Well, Roach, has, as I said before, and Sir Clive has said, he's come here, he's done the business. So these guys will now have to go back to the Caribbean and just try to, to lift the rest of that, that squad and look to, to do well and carry on. Roach had the, 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 the also Roach played with a Hashim Amla, a former South African bat, star batsman. And I hope that he would have picked his brain for those players in the South African unit that would be coming up to the Caribbean mm. just to have a little insight of mm. what to do. 
Mm-hmm. But I think that we can do well once our players continue that, that upward trend and believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. And obviously, to beat South Africa in the Caribbean will be massive for our cricket. Mm-hmm. And it will help us as well going forward uh, to Pakistan and the, and the Australians. Mm-hmm. So it's a, big, it's a big summer for West Indies. And this, this series against South Africa is really mm-hmm. going to set the cats among the pigeons on where West Indies cricket truly is. Mr. Clive, your expectations? Well, I, listen, we're playing at home. And I, I think that if, if we're playing at St. Lucia, the, the pitcher do have, uh, does have a bit of bounce. Mm-hmm. And, they, and the South Africans have a very good pace of that. Good. But uh, my, their batting could be a little brittle. Um, and, and, and I think that it, we can, if, we, if our bowlers can bowl the line that is expected and be consistent, you never know. And don't, they don't play spin very well either. So I'm probably in a left-arm spinner um, would be a very integral part of our bowling attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I would think that the three guys who played county cricket have done fairly well, and I hope that that experience will hold well for us when we have the, um, this, this series coming up against um, South Africa. Um, I... I just the one problem we have is that opener with Craig. Right. Need to get a decent opener, someone who's going to stay around, mm-hmm. you know, long enough mm-hmm. to see, you know, to give us that start because we keep losing uh, wicket fairly often, um, you know, early, and our, our middle order is being exposed. So we need. I don't. I don't know who 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 the openers. There that we can sort of, you know, with, with mm. Craig, we must be able to get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then maybe Hetmar could have filled that breach. Sorry? Maybe Hetmar yeah. could have filled that breach. Well, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Whatever, the point that we need somebody <laughs> in there that will stay in there and um, mm-hmm. someone like Hetmar, you know, we did it with Richards. He was yes. making a lot of runs, but he was making runs outside of the, the test matches. Right. And I promoted him to open. Ooh. He got a hundred and a big so then I moved him back to three. Right. Then we then Gordon came in with Frederick. And that's how we developed that situation. So we you never know with my opening if he wants to. Mm-hmm. If that is the position that mm-hmm. that will serve him service him good then well fine, why not? So it's something to think of. Um we got we have a lot of talented cricketers. Mm-hmm. And now is the time to show um, what we have. And this is a very good series because for us, because if we win this, um, this series, we go further up the ladder. Yes, yes, we will. So Clive, winning just like losing is contagious. Two test matches. Of course, uh, the first one starts on June the 10th. Do you think the West Indies, we've got the goods to win these test matches in St. Lucia? Yeah, we, we have to think of that. We, we haven't lost in the last two tests. Series, and, right. I, and I agree with Philo, they're in transition too. Yes, but the yeah. point is, if we can just get ahead mm-hmm. and apply ourselves like we did in the last couple of seasons, we would be fine. Right. You know, um, I think we've done extremely well in the last couple of um, series, and um, they seem to be, you know, gelling well 
uh, with the new regime, and I can wish them the best of luck. I, I, I do have faith that we can do well mm-hmm. if we apply ourselves in the manner that is needed. Mm-hmm. Well, Sakai, we just got another what uh, four minutes or so left in the show. Let's go to Mr. Mansur Nadir. I hope I got the, the pronunciation of, of of your name correct. Did I get it? Oh, perfect. All right. Give us a little background, though, because you told me that you um, you're the speaker of the house, and uh, I think a couple of years ago you would have been what a minister of tourism. Is that is that correct? Give us a little background. Uh, a little while ago, yes. But I want to join with both um, speakers before me, fellow and Sir Clive, mm-hmm. in wishing the West Indies well. I've never turned my back on the West Indies. In spite of all, I enjoyed, um, and I think we're going to win against South Africa. Mm-hmm. Australia has always proven difficult to beat for us, <clears throat> but so I would remember that epic first tour of South Africa after they were reintegrated in Test cricket mm-hmm. when it seemed that we were down, and then the fast ball came back and blew South Africa out of the out of the waters. Mm-hmm. So I want I'm going to wish them well. I would not. Um, turn my back on our West Indies cricket team mm-hmm. and our West Indies cricket. But I would not zip my mouth if I see something is wrong. Well, you're the speaker of the and house, for, I mean, so we expect you to talk. You're the speaker. The no, speaker, you should expect you to talk. Do, we just do like you. We control. <laughs> and, and what I, want to oh, I like that one. Huh? And I understand you've been putting people out of the house. Uh, my good friend Imran Khan, the, 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 the PR for the opposition doesn't like you. He's saying that you are you are doing naughty things in the house. Is that true, Mr. Speaker? Is that true, Mr. Speaker? Form and fair hand. <laughs> fair and form hand. Yeah. I feel like that. And, and I want to say for our cricket mm. to perform best internationally, right? The action has to be done regionally, mm. nationally, and locally. Mm-hmm. So every club, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're going to have to have professional coaches at the at the club level. Mm. The club facilities will have to be of mm. great standards mm-hmm. so that we give our players mm-hmm. the opportunity to start with the best. Mm-hmm. So I am not going to say that selectors or West Indies cricket destroy cricket. Mm. I will say that we at the club level mm. have a responsibility like that foundation brick expose our players to the mm-hmm. right techniques, talents, and mm-hmm. facilities. And I will work at the foundation level. Wonderful. We wish we wish we wish the team well and look forward to a great season. Wonderful. Well of course they're coming to, to Guyana, Pakistan. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I'm gonna to speak to Imran Khan and say to Mr. Khan that uh, what you've been telling me about the speaker is not true at all. He's a wonderful man, very fair, and of course, <laughs> we will be consulting again sometime. I don't know if you ever met Sir Clive. Have you met Sir Clive before, um, uh, Mr. Speaker? Have you met him? Yes, yes. We, we've met quite a few times. We've yes. spoken yes. quite a few times, and um, Sir Clive knows me well. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I know him quite well. Yeah, so. Yes. Is he a good man, Sir Clive? Is he a good man? Listen, you, you, I think that he, when I, I when I was involved with him, I we we got on quite well. I don't. I think that he he's been pretty good um, when as a minister. And he did a marvelous job in 
um, whilst he was there, and and I wish him the best of luck in his in his, in his new post. In his post, a big post, big post. Put people out the house sometimes. Uh, thank you, Sir Guy. <laughs> All right. But I want to thank you, of course, Dr. Andrew Ford. Um, no doubt you may become the Speaker of the House of Assembly in Barbados in the next administration running for the BLP. Of course, Phil Wallace is a big BLP man. We know that. And, of course, we know that Mr. Nadir is a PPP man, unlike Imran Khan. Not quite sure what Sir Clive is. We'll keep that very, very private indeed. I'm Andrew uh, Mason. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, Sir Clive? Uh, you... I'm a Guyanese. You're a Guyanese. We love that. I'm Andrew Guyanese. Mason. A BLP and a DLP. We hope that you have a very good evening. Here's hoping for bad about. It's good night. And good night to you, Andrew. A happy birthday in advance. Yes, indeed, we have come to uh, the end of another show. And we sincerely hope that you have enjoyed it. And we were privileged to have the opportunity to carry it in its entirety. And this week we had no... No problems whatsoever. Everything went so well, and I hope everyone who have listened would have enjoyed it. I pray that you will be with us Saturday morning for some entertainment, and then on Sunday, you can join us from 6 until 9. We'll have more cricket talk, uh, the one and only show that has been doing this for the past 10 years on Sunday from 6 until 9. It's in lineup for you, so we we. Just ask that you join us here and make yourself comfortable listening to what all the panelists have to say. Good night, and I'm saying to you, one has gone again. Young Jimmy had 
One gone again. And it's come and put both the gun on and yet both of them. A good ball, a magnificent ball. You played with West Indies? One gone again. Tell all you that we support, that we support Skipper Richie. That we support Skipper Richie. That man has no things, you know, you have the future of this. And you're already coming from behind. Lara boy. Yes, good night. God bless.